Hi, this is Surya Devi, and welcome to A Voice for Love. I'm a world music artist and healer from Vancouver, Canada, with over two decades' experience serving individuals from all walks of life. We're going to be speaking with leaders and visionaries from around the world in the field of art, music, activism, health, education, spirituality, and more to talk about what it means to be a voice for love. We're going through massive changes on the planet right now, and I believe that what the world needs more than ever are people who are aligned, heart-led, and who can speak from the soul to help usher in even bigger shifts that will elevate us all into a more harmonious existence together. Thank you so much for joining us. excited to welcome you to A Voice for Love, and I'm even more excited to introduce to you my very first guest, the incredible Asha Frost, and she is a First Nations uh, Ojibwe medicine woman from Ontario, Canada. Welcome, Asha. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited. Oh, I'm so excited. I just love your... I, I started following you on Instagram maybe about a year ago. And I remember the first time I saw you, I literally saw rainbows all around you in your energy field when you were talking. And I was like, who is this woman? I love her. I love that. I love love those connections, right? Because they're meant to be. Absolutely. Well, I think it's important right now that people, you know, everybody finds one another and people that are on sort of the same path that we all connect with one another. So um, please tell everyone a little bit about you for anyone who doesn't know who you are. Sure. So my spirit name is Healing Rainbow Woman, and I am from Cape Croker First Nation. That is my maternal lineage, and my paternal lineage is from Serpent River, so they are First Nations in Ontario. I grew up north of Toronto, however, and my path has been about remembering and reclaiming my medicine roots and my ancestral ways because you know they've been colonized and stripped away, so it's been a journey of remembering. Um, through a physical illness that's sort of how I started remembering and reclaiming those things and it's been yeah a long journey of that to come home to my medicine work in the world and it just keeps evolving so I am a healer I had a private practice for about 17 years in my home as a homeopath and a medicine woman and now everything is online so I share my medicine and gifts mentoring other healers to rise up in theirs and um, holding sacred space and circle and really just activating that presence in others and, and holding space for that. That is like my biggest intention in the world is that, that everybody sees that they all have this incredible gift to share. Oh, that's so beautiful. And so did you always know that you were a healer or was it something that came to you later on or how did that come about? Yeah, um, when I was a child, I would dream a lot and I would, I, I believe I was a seer as a child. So apparently I came out and my mom said, oh my goodness, I had the seer baby. You know, I looked into her eyes and she said, this is a seer. And she took me to my grandfather and he says, oh yes, that's a seer. This is a seer from our ancestry coming in. Um, and then I just started dreaming a lot when I was a child. I'd see things and I would share those with my mother. And I also um, would see spirit a lot, you know, in my room, my ancestors, I'd hear them drumming and chanting, but I just kind of thought everybody did that. And I was, I wasn't really, I was aware of what that meant until I got sick. So I lived my life until I was 17. And then 
I got sick and diagnosed with lupus and that's what cracked everything open to send me on this healing journey. And being sort of a healer and calling myself a healer, it really has just been healing myself and all the wisdom that I've gained from that journey and then sharing that with others. So still my priority and my vision is like, how can I bring healing to myself today so that I can break through cycles and move through um, trauma and wounding? And then whatever I learned through that is what I tend to share as wisdom with others. Because I believe that's our greatest teacher, our life lessons and our challenges, they become the medicine. Oh, I love that. Absolutely. And I totally, I relate to that as well. And I believe that it's the same for everyone. We have to do our own work first. And from only from that place, that is where we can affect the greatest change. So it's sort of like the inner outer type of type of thing. So that that's so beautiful. Thank you for sharing that. So um, what we're talking about here with a voice for love is we're talking about the voice and the expression and finding our voice. And I've actually noticed that. And one of the reasons that I asked you um, to be the guest, and actually I wanted to I just want to say that part of the reason I wanted you to be the first guest is that I really want to honor the First Nations people and I want to honor the Indigenous people who are the original inhabitants of the land that I live on, which is which is Canada. And I think that this is such an important thing that we have to acknowledge now. So thank you so much for, for being here and for being a representative for, you know, all your people, the many, the many, many tribes that, that make up the first nations people. But can you talk a little bit about your journey of what it means to find your voice and, and how, how you relate to that? Yes. Um, that's a huge journey for me. I think, um, I think there's been so, I mean, Indigenous people have been marginalized. There's so much racism still to this day. I think there's been a lot of um, intergenerational trauma that I've had to work through and continue to work on every single day to be able to even feel visible. I think that the narrative across our country are that Nation people are quite invisible. Our struggles, our challenges, um, even the way that things show up in the world, you know, people don't know. That's the biggest thing people see. Like, how did I not learn this in school? How do I not know that this is happening in our country right now? Everybody says Canada is this great country, and it is. And it's the racist country, and there's m many issues that happen here. Um, and, you know, right now the focus is so on what's going on in this election. And I think it's interesting perception because everybody's just like, I wish I lived in Canada. And sometimes that can really bring about these feelings for me, like, how come nobody's seeing the issues that are happening to First Nations Indigenous people? How come it still has that invisibility narrative of like, we're not being seen, you know, our issues aren't being heard, our voices aren't being heard. So finding my voice and trying to speak those stories is just a constant fire that is in my belly that calls me to do this through education. You know, I'm not an academic uh, teacher in that way. I share through storytelling, which I believe is the way that we've always shared our stories and our teachings and our wisdom. So I try to share from my perspective, being um, this lineage of being colonized so deeply as my grandparents were in residential school. So finding my voice in that invisibility um, narrative and how I kind of can feel myself cloaked in that has been such a path to just kind of keep showing up, um, keep listening to how my heart and my spirit and my ancestors are calling me. Um, and then just it's sharing it with, with whoever is meant to hear it, I guess which sometimes can feel kind of hard because it, I, sometimes I feel like my voice is kind of quieter than some. And um, I just have to kind of root back into that. It's, it's important because my ancestors are guiding me. So I have to trust that and I have to keep going. Yeah, absolutely. And something um, 
you know, in my own journey with the voice too, I've discovered it's not always about who has the loudest voice. It's about finding that place where we're rooted and embodied so that when we speak, whether it's loud or quiet, people hear us, like it lands, you know? And so I think you do an amazing job of just, you know, from following you online, you have a very, like a very gentle and open and loving way about you so that you can um, communicate and I mean, right now, even in Canada, there are really so many things. I mean, last week, especially in the past couple of weeks, it was just like coast to coast. There's all these different issues happening with First Nations people that are not being seen. And, and as you said, you know, the United States is such a big distraction in, in so many ways. And yet, you know, what's happening there is also valid. So what would you like to say or like if you could sort of, you know, educate people or share how we can help to uplift indigenous voices what would you what would you say i would say um sorry, i just popped up on my computer there we go um i i think i think just even those words of saying like we feel invisible i just wonder how that lands for for folks you know we feel invisible and i wonder i wonder the first question i have is like what what are your beliefs about indigenous people what do you know what what history do you know what history did you learn so just evaluating making making some space and making some capacity for even reflecting on that i think is the first step because i think people go into shame and guilt when they think oh my gosh these hard these awful things are happening how did i not know and then we beat ourselves up and we kind of shut back down so i would just that reflection piece is so important to just say what are the belief systems i have perhaps what are the biases that i've heard people what are the racist remarks i've heard people say about indigenous people what things have i believed or thought about indigenous people um you know, when I see things online, what's my reaction to that? And and just sort of start from there, I think is a really important thing. So reflection and self, you know, doing that self-work, I think is really important. And then secondly, I think um, it's really like looking at those issues that are happening in our world in real time right now. Because one thing I see in comments is I didn't even know Indigenous people still existed. We have this narrative that what's happening is like from the past, right? And um those issues from the past are affecting us still so deeply. So to start to reflect and maybe learn about how generational trauma gets passed on, you know, this country wanted to beat the Indian out of the child and strip the Indian away from all of the children that went to residential school. Think about what happens if you strip a strip love from a child. What are the ramifications for that child? And then what are the ramifications for their descendants and for the energy that passes on in their lineage? It's just like, it's like a snowball effect and it gets bigger and greater and deeper. And that's what we're dealing with right now. So when you hear people say, you know, my ancestors didn't do that to you or I didn't do that to you. Um, maybe not, but the impact is still so deep and so far reaching and um, so detrimental to our people. So I think being part of that change and acknowledging like you can make a difference by speaking up, by sharing, by uplifting indigenous voices, indigenous businesses, um, that's one thing that I think is so important, you know, it's just like, that's how you help us be seen. It's, it's just by like raising us up, you know, and especially for non-Indigenous people and women, I'd say um, white women are, people listen to other white women, white women listen to other white women. So when you share and you advocate for my voice, it helps me so much. And I feel like you can make a difference in that way. Oh, that's so beautiful. Yeah, it is true. There's, there's like a big disconnect, I find. Um, and it's with, it's like across the board. And I think it's, people are disconnected from their own pain and their own self. So therefore, they cannot acknowledge 
the, the suffering of another. And I mean, I think, cause I think about this all the time, but I'm also sort of deeply, you know, in my own process of sort of my own decolonization. And yet I don't even have that much work to do because I was raised by parents, luckily, who always taught me that everyone is equal. They always taught me everyone is the same, no matter what, you know? So from the get-go, I don't, there's a lot of programming that I don't personally have to undo because I just wasn't taught that. I was taught, you make sure that everybody is equal no matter what. So that's this beautiful gift that my, my family gave me. And yet so many people don't think that way. And they don't even think that, you know, we're living here on, you know, stolen land to an extent because it's like been forgotten. And so it is so important to uplift the voices. And you mentioned um, storytelling. So I'm curious, like, because I know that storytelling is such an important tradition in many, 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 many cultures. And so can you share a little bit about what is the storytelling? And like, did you did you receive these stories from some of your ancestors? Or how does that what is that? I think, well, you know, my mother is a storyteller. Like, she needs to write a book because she just, she's a brilliant storyteller. So I guess I see storytelling as a medicine, as I don't think all of our ancestors perhaps carried it in that way, but I see storytelling as a way to educate. I think that if we, it's a way in because it's, it, it brings us back to that humanity piece. Like, if you know somebody's story, then your heart opens instantly, right? It's not me telling you, you should do this. And, you know, I'm not, like, yelling at you. It's just, like open your heart to my story. How can we come in together? It's that, you know, we often sit in a circle because it's like, then we can see each other's hearts. We can see each other's wounds and we can see each other's healing. And that's in that space. So for me, the medicine of storytelling is like an opening of a circle space where it's like, everyone's included here. How does this story resonate with your own? Or how can it break your heart open so that you can start flowing compassion out to the people that need it and to yourself? I just, I see it as a catalyst almost. Um, but I would say, I'm sure there's some ancestors that were amazing storytellers in my lineage, but I really have to credit my mother for that because she truly passed that down to me as, as a medicine, I think, that I carry out in the world now and how I educate and inform those who show up in my communities. Yeah, it's so true. Storytelling is, is, so, is, is such a powerful way to, and yet... The interesting thing is, so that that's how I've learned a lot too, is through listening to the stories of others, because I'm naturally inquisitive and I've naturally always had a very diverse group of friends and I just listen to them and in listening to them and hearing the same things over and over again, especially from BIPOC people, I'm like, you know, it didn't take me long personally, but all of a sudden I was like, okay, this is, this is real. Everybody is saying, you know, variations of the same thing. So we cannot deny this. And yet I've noticed that some people can't even connect to those stories, which really sort of concerns me. I don't know if you've come across that, but like you can share with somebody and it's like, they don't even hear. Have you experienced that? And if so, like, how do you deal with that in that situ- in, in those types of situations? Yes. I'd say, you know, primarily on social media, when I share a story, it's, it, it seems to go in. It seems, I mean, it seems to be a way that it's a, an accessible way that I can get my information sort of it lands for people, but I will say in the letter that I wrote last year that went viral, dear white woman who wants to be like me, it did not land in that way. And that was, it was a little bit more of an informative letter, right? I mean, it wasn't as based in storytelling as much and that there was a lot of denial and I was sharing my experience. It was, it was my lived experience. And that kind of denial is very harmful for BIPOC folks because you can't deny that that's these things really happened. And then when you say you're kind of gaslighting people by saying, um, 
I didn't, I don't believe you or you're not, you know, basically you're not important. Your stories aren't important. And what you're sharing here, I just don't see it. I don't see it. And I'm not to blame for this. And I just know it comes from defensiveness. And when I talk about that shutdown place, I just, that's why I want to start every conversation is with like, let's open to compassion for ourselves first and foremost. So when shame and blame and guilt and self-abuse comes up, we can say, right, we're going to flood this with compassion so that we can lean in. And that we can listen um, because if we're coming from that place of defensiveness, nothing's going to get in. So that's where I've seen that happen um, in where it got really heated, <laughs> heated and, and difficult. And then there was a loss of connection in those conversations because there was no openness to even have reciprocity in that way. Yeah, I'm glad that you brought that up because that was something that I wanted to talk about as well, which is like the, you know, the cultural appropriation piece and the how do we, you know, I know that that's something that you've spoken about a lot and that I can only imagine again, but this goes back to this compassion piece because I have the ability to find compassion for, for others and listen to them. But I can only imagine how frustrating that is for you to see. I mean, it's frustrating for me in different ways to see what's become of, you know, the spiritual world and how people present themselves. But I'd love for you to speak just a little bit about like, you know, cultural appropriation and how you feel about, you know, the many, many women, mostly white women who are, you know, appropriating indigenous culture and what that looks like and how, and how is it okay or not okay? Like, not that it's okay, but is there a way to, you know, because I know that the thing about, you know, past lives and stuff like that, when you get into that, I mean, it's, it's potential that we've been all the things, right? So in some way we've been all the things and yet here in 2020, you know, there's a respectful way to do things. So I'd love for you to share any thoughts that you have on that. Yeah, I have to say, like, thanks for the best past life part, because that's something I've heard so many times. So I was a Cherokee, I was a, you know, all of these, whatever, princess in this past life. And I think, you know, it's, that can be very harmful, because mm-hmm. it's like, yes, 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 and, yes, and if you're living in an Indigenous body in this lifetime, you will experience racism, and you will not have equity, and you will, like, all, all of this, all of this is the truth that will happen, so you might be carrying that, and you might be even carrying that trauma from past life experience, but it's way easier to clear that than it is to live in an indigenous body that's, that's rooted in the blood and the bones and everything you're carrying. You have to move through so much, so many layers of trauma, so that's something I would, I would probably say that's harmful to say to indigenous folks is that, like, well, I had this past life, so I understand, and I just think that that it's just very insensitive to say that. Um, you know, I, I've said this many times, I'm not the smudge police, I'm not the cultural appropriation police, because I believe it is between you and creator. Only you know what your, it's not even intentions, your relationship, your sacred relationship is to medicine or to teachings. I teach a lot of non-Indigenous folks. Um, I teach, that's more the majority of my audience, but it's how we do it. It's how we do it. It's how we approach that. They are all allies of mine. They come, they do the research, they learn the history, they um, they uplift my medicine, they help, they share, they help in all the things I'm helping, you know, indigenous communities with. So I just feel like there's a way to do it where you're not just taking a sage stick and waving it around for, for money, you know, where you're not co-opting these practices to make money, which is, that is like a big issue when these there's so many indigenous folks that are struggling and you're just like taking it and you're like, Oh, I'm going to make all this money with this. And I'm going to take the shiny thing. And then I'm going to forget about the people who have no clean water or who have high rates of teen suicide. And like, you know, you're not doing the whole, you're not seeing the whole picture. 
that is my issue with it. I, and I only speak for myself is like when you just take that piece. And for me, it's just a very visceral body reaction. I can feel now instantly when I see something, if I'll start to shake, if it feels like that taking energy. And if it doesn't, then to me, it feels like, oh, this person has some reflection on this. They've done some work around this and they've seen that whole picture and they carry all people in that same, like they want to uplift and they want to do the work because it is work. And you know what? It's heavy work to do. I'm kind of sick and tired of, of doing all the heavy work. Like mm-hmm. I was thinking this morning, like some days I would love to be a white woman to be able to just run my business, not even have to like, you know, it's just, sometimes I do wish that. And I don't admit that often because it's, it's a lot to hold and a lot to carry and I'm tired. So I would really, um, yeah, I just like try to do the work, please like try to try to have compassion for, for the people that you're taking these things from, um, and honor them, honor your teachers, speak of your teachers and just uplift them too, because, um, you're going to rise faster than those people. That's just the way it works. And you're going to, a lot of the issue is stepping on those people to rise. And that can be very painful for an indigenous body. Yeah, it is. And I can, again, I can relate. I've thought about so much. Why I, why do I relate to BIPOC people so much? And I have a whole, a whole list of things like throughout my life experience, but um yeah, one of them is for whatever reason, you know, been ignored a lot, not had a voice and also been taken from a lot. Um, And so I can relate to that very much. So, you know, it's a certain type of mentality, like either a younger person or a flashier person or whatever that can just come in and do things a certain way. And for whatever reason, everybody listens to them and like, poof, they take it and run with it. But I'm very passionate about getting to the source of the teachings and not losing the original lineage. So to me, it's like so important to uplift healers like you and people who are actually holding those traditions. Because what I see happening in the spiritual world and the new age world is like, people just think they can do whatever they want. And they pull little bits of everything from everywhere. And then they make it their own. You know, they're like, oh, I learned this, but I'm going to make it into this. And I find that very problematic. Because as I'm sure you know, um, you know, once you get really deep into some of the other realms, it's not all good out there. And sometimes you open up doors to things and you don't really, you don't really know what you're doing. So I think that's, that's part of the, of of the issue of, so I'm curious about who were, who were your teachers? And like, you mentioned that your mother, of course, is really your storytelling teacher. And like, who else do you have other mentors that came into your life? I, I guess when you, when you got sick, probably. I've had a lot, I've had a lot, but you're right. This is like a sacred responsibility to hold and to carry, Um, you know, and I actually don't really, um, I I really truly try to come from compassion because we're we're starting from where we're at and I don't tend to judge those who, who are doing those things because I guess I, who, how do I know what their path is, right? And what they're supposed to learn in that way. Um, I've learned from so many because I have done so much healing work on myself and I will be they're not all Indigenous people. Actually, the majority of people that I've probably learned the deepest medicine from aren't Indigenous people. And I remember an elder telling me, like, not all your teachers are going to be Indigenous teachers. Um, that's just the way it's going to be. And I've struggled with that for a long time because um, the way that the traditional way should be is, like, is there's a narrative. This is how you're supposed to learn. This is you're supposed to this elder you sit with on the mountain for, like, you know, all these years and learn these ways really deeply. And I have tried that so many times and it's always blown up in my face. Um, 
some of the people I've learned from in that way. Um, I became their teacher or their healer, and so it wasn't it wasn't the right fit. Um, other times there's been abuse or there's been um, a lack of reciprocity. So you know there there's it, nothing's perfect. Nothing's perfect, and I think like if we have that one narrative of this is the way it's supposed to be, and this is the way that in, an Indigenous person is supposed to show up and share their medicines, that can be really problematic too. So the people that I've learned from, there's like thousands probably, even my clients, I'd say I've sat, I've sat in front of thousands of people holding space and doing healing work with them. They are probably my biggest teachers. My children, they are my deepest elders and teachers. Um, the earth, you know, just like, and I'd say the lupus, that's been like one of my deepest mentors for my path. It's, I really am about living out the teachings and how it's, how it evolves in that way. Of course, I've had teachers and mentors along the way. I've studied with shamans and elders and guides. Um, but it really has been about how they reflect my own journey back to me. Um, and how that, yeah. And how that evolves from there. So I wish I could name one and say, Oh, this is my great elder that, <laughs> um, but it comes back to my mother. She is my great elder. She is my great elder. You know, my grandfather, this is part of the problem is, my grandfather uh, was in residential school and he got his language stripped away from him. So there's just a lot of trauma in my actual lineage about, you know, they loved the church. They loved their doctors. That, that just, all of that got so muddled up and so stripped and there's so much damage there and trauma that I am trying, my generation is trying to reclaim. And so I also saw my ancestors and the spirit world are my greatest teachers because they guide me every single day and I've had to trust that that is enough and more than enough um especially when the world says this is the way it's supposed to look this is the way your teaching and training is supposed to look and I say well I I, I report to my ancestors the star nations they inform me and they're like thumbs up <laughs> I can I can relate to that because I've been through so many different paths and I have again um all these strong connections to like I have a Tibetan Buddhist teacher and I have a very strong connection to him and the way that we met was very divine and I'm also so there's like that path and then I'm also very connected to Ama I don't know if you know who she is but she's like the the saint like the Hindu saint from India she and I are like this and then I had a very interesting unexpected sort of twist of events in the past couple of years where all of a sudden I kind of had a come to Jesus moment too and I have this deep connection to Jesus and then you know the divine mother and the earth and all this so it's it's the same for me because I struggled for a while because I was like I felt that I had to kind of pick one path and go with it and my Tibetan teacher especially in Tibetan that's what you know that's a very they have a lot of conduct uh, they're basically an indigenous culture as well and they talk about you know one path one guru one way but that wasn't you know I think this time for a lot of us is really about breaking all of these shoulds and breaking out of all of these old paradigms and like you said like we don't know what somebody's path is supposed to be. So somebody might have to go down a certain path for a little bit to learn that that is not what they're ultimately meant to do. So it comes back to that piece of non-judgment, which I feel for pretty much all humans right now is one of the biggest um, things that we need to cultivate is non-judgment and just put the focus back on ourselves because ultimately it really is the only thing that we can control. And as we said at the beginning, like that's where it all comes from. And for it, it's like, how you said like you have a visceral reaction it's sort of like I'm sim I'm similar like, like when I look at somebody or somebody who calls himself a healer I can see right away like are they actually doing their work or are they just 
you know, presenting all of these things because the information is out there, the training is out there, but just because somebody has access to all this information and training doesn't actually mean that they're doing the work and they're embodied. And that becomes quite dangerous, actually. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I agree wholeheartedly. And for me, information isn't, I don't, that's, I, I want to not that sound like a judgment, but information isn't wisdom. Like we can mm-hmm. learn and have all the information up here. And this is what I feel like this time has brought about. There's so much, like this overload of information. Where's the integration? Where's the stopping? Where's the rest? Where's the space where it's like, wow, I have all this. How am I going to walk it? How am I going to call it in? How am I going to start to integrate this? Because that can be friggin' painful. Mm-hmm. And that's something we resist, right? We resist the integration and the walking it piece because that's the part where we learn our lessons and it's a bunch of crap that comes up. But we can't be heads of information walking around the world. I mean, we can be, but I just don't think that's going to lead to a healed world. So I'm all for I'm all for doing the work. And that's something that I do in my mentorship. Like, it's like, if you're going to join me in a container where I'm helping you and I'm mentoring you, it's like, this is a, this is a reciprocal, like you need to be showing up, you know, and I'm not going to judge how you're showing up, but it just needs to be this like, right, I'm here to do the work. Um, because otherwise it's just going to be, it's not going to land the same, you know, and I'm just going to be giving this information and we're going to be this up here, stuck up here. So I, I believe in that too. I'm so, so for here for that. Yeah, it's interesting because like on, on my path, I can see clearly now, I was sort of a bit of a spiritual gaslighter, maybe like 10 years ago. So I've been on my journey for since I was a teenager. And I started studying and practicing the healing arts like 20, 21 years ago, something. So I'm kind of like, I was always the youngest person at every spiritual retreat. And, you know, everybody was like, oh, I wish that I had like come to this as young as you are. Like, you're just going to be so wise. But actually, I wasn't really doing the work because what happened was that, so I gathered this arsenal of tools that I had that I could basically neutralize or make all my bad feelings go away. And, you know, if I felt bad, I'd just tap it away or do some kind of thing. And I'd be like, "Woo, I'm great. Like, everything's great. But then my life fell apart and I was like, oh my gosh, like I'm sort of a bit of a bypasser here. Like I've just been so good at making myself feel good all the time that I'm actually not really sitting in the the SHIT and really facing what I need to face, which is very uncomfortable. And I think this is what comes up when people do the anti-racism work too, you know, especially white people is that they feel this uncomfort and they feel this guilt and then they don't want to, they don't want to go there. Yes. And I think that especially with that, right? This year, especially it's been like, we have been overloaded with information. Like if you were on Instagram when Black Lives Matter kind of like really blew up, it's like, there's so many people to follow, so many courses to take, so many webinars to watch. Like, and I think, I think a lot of two went on and we're like oh my gosh I've got to take it all in I've got to do it all and then it's just like this like overwhelm of like oh, what about and then we freeze what am I going to do with this I don't have the capacity to take you don't have as one human being the capacity to take all of that information in what are we going to do with it and how are we going to then wa- walk it out in the world I just that's what I'm that's what I'm just all about these days how am I going to walk this in the world every single day with every intention and thought and action step um because I think overloading ourselves with information makes us sense us into freeze or flight or, or any of those things that just don't keep us embodied. Like you said, you know, I think that part's so important. So I'm hoping we're moving into that. Like I'm feeling the shift in that a little bit with every, hopefully after, you know, things shift around in the States and everything kind of moves, but I feel like we're needing to like integrate and move it down into our body so we can walk it through our feet. 
Absolutely. Well, that's what it is. I mean, like you said, that when people have all this information, they're just here, they're in the head and we really need to come into the heart and then, you know, drop it down. I mean, we need to be embodied, which means ultimately we're, you know, kind of grounded in everything. But I learned so much in my, in creating this course around the voice. And I really, I was thinking about how really the voice is kind of next level because the voice, like it sits above the heart, you know, like the throat chakra is above the heart chakra. So in order for us to really be open in our voice and our expression, we have to be coming from the heart. And I've said for a long time, it's like, okay, humanity's kind of in the one, two, three chakras, like the lower, like we're trying to work out all this stuff down here, but where we really need to get in order for us to evolve is here. Because when you're in the heart, there is no judgment. There is no, these things don't even exist. You can't even think about I mean I think every day I watch people and I'm like how can people even think this way that they think like even in the U.S. right now watching even events unfold I'm like all of these people really think this way like how is this even possible and yet you know we see that it is and I think part of it too is just acknowledging that it's a process and and it's not this you know the healing world like everything in our world has become this fast food like mick healing like get rid of all your fear in one webinar or like my seven day course will release you from all of your you know everything bad that ever happened to you or fix all your prosperity problems overnight like it's just nonsense as you know you know being on the path for decades it's like it never stops. The work is ongoing. And if anything, it gets more intense because the more clear that you get, the more, for me anyway, the more conscious I become, the more conscious I become of all of these things about myself that I'm like, oh gosh, did I really just think that? <laughs> like, did I really just do that? And yet I've been doing these things my whole life. But as you become aware, you actually see them. So this is very interesting too. Yeah, I love that. And you're right. And it's like, I always say like, creator doesn't let me get away with anything now. <laughs> like I, if I, if I behave in a way that's probably not my integrity, it comes back really fast <laughs> and I have to clean that crap up like right away. It's just, I don't really get away with that because I think that that's part of the work, right? It's like, all right, I want to walk in my integrity. Well, here you go. You gotta, you gotta clean that up right away. And uh, sometimes that's hard. <laughs> But it's like that with great power comes great responsibility. So like I say sometimes, because people are like, how do you know all these things? How do you? Because when I'm tuned in, like at, at this point, you know, there's a lot of information that comes through. And I say, you know, I really believe the only reason that I'm able to have some of these gifts is because I'm not in judgment, because I'm not going to use them to try to for any sort of devious things. And if I did, oh, believe me, there would be consequences. And, and part of my journey was I saw firsthand the the effects of spiritual abuse, like not from me, but from others and what that actually did to their life. And I've seen several people with high level spiritual gifts that chose to abuse them. And it literally, their lives are destroyed until they, I believe there's always that reconciliation point, but until they decide to come along and um, shift that, I don't think spirit, you know, creators, not very fond of people who uh, take their gifts and use them for, for, for evil. Yes. Yes. I hear you. I hear you. It's so important. That personal responsibility piece is so big. It's just so big. It is. And so I want to, um, I actually signed up um, uh, last night when I was on your website, just like seeing what, um, I just wanted to make sure, you know, seeing what you're up to and everything. So I actually signed up for your program that's happening at the end of November. It's Reclaim. That's what it's called, right? So please tell us a little bit more just in case anyone else wants to join. Yeah, well, it really is about this, about walking these teachings out in the world. And that's something, you know, um, my mother in my home always spoke about as an Anishinaabe being, it's like, it, that means the good being, right? So we walk in a good way. And I know people don't love this good, bad thing, but what always spoke to me was walking these teachings 
walking them in the best way that I knew how with, with what I had in that moment. So there's these seven grandfather teachings that inform our way of life and how we walk as indigenous folks. So um, I'm teaching them and I'm creating the sacred container where we can bring this medicine of these ancestral ways in um, with some ceremony and some ritual and really is inviting inviting everyone in the circle to say, okay, how can we immerse ourselves in these teachings? What can they activate for our, us that might be dormant or sleeping? How can we remember who we are as divine beings and come back to that truth and then walk it in the world as much as possible? You know, it's Um, but it's going to be very powerful and I believe in it and I believe in our medicine ways and I believe in the power of collective healing. That is something that I've seen over and over again in community. I just think that is where we need to be right now. So this is the opportunity for that. And um, we're going to end with the full, full little spirit moon, which is our 12th moon of creation. So I'm so excited. So, so sorry, say that again. So the 12th, the spirit moon, is that one of the moons of the year that's happening? Yeah. At the end? moons and so we're going to end with like a full moon ceremony so the seven days will end with a full moon ceremony and just to integrate everything so that we can go into the next year you know i'm hoping more rooted more connected you know it's called reclaim your peace and joy but i'd like it to be reclaim your medicine reclaim your rootedness reclaim your you know whatever is really needed right now which i think the world needs more than ever that's what my intention is for all beings. And of course, you all bring in your power and your own medicine. So um, I trust your ancestors know exactly what you need. Yeah, I love that. I love group work. And like you said, group work is so, is so powerful. And I think that's where a lot of us need to go to because it's true. We can, you know, we, we have to do our own personal work. And then when we gather in groups with the intention of healing collectively, it's, it's very powerful. So yeah, thanks for sharing. And so please let people know where, where can they find more information about your program? So it's ashafrost.com forward slash reclaim. And that's the sign up page. And um, there is a, a Facebook group. I mean, it's not necessary. You're going to get access to that, those seven ceremonies and then the recording to the full moon ceremony in your email box. So you don't have to join Facebook if you're not on Facebook. Um, but that's the place where the party's happening. So I'll be showing up live and offering some readings and, you know, just a little bit of extra, extra fun in there. So I would love to have anyone who's interested. And I really think that now is the time to gather like this. Okay, that's great. So it's called Reclaim and it's on um, your website, ashafrost.com. Is that your website? Ashafrost.com. And it's also on my Instagram and my Instagram is ashafrost. So you can find it there too. Yeah, I just love that word, reclamation. I think that that reclaim is such an important thing because we all have something to to reclaim as human beings. I mean, really, I think, and this is where I think, I keep saying like there's a shift of power happening and I really do feel that we're going to see a big shift. We're going to see a lot more BIPOC leaders and a lot more shift. And I think that in a lot of ways, the BIPOC people are, are they, they're going to be leading everyone because they're the ones who know about, everybody has a colonized mind. Every, every, every single one of us has been colonized. It's, it's a part of our programming that's living in our brain. And if we want to be truly sovereign and free beings and really get back in touch with our soul, we have to begin this process. But a lot of, you know, white or white passing people are not as aware of these things because it just doesn't affect them. They have a certain privilege that just allows them to walk in the world without um, noticing these things. So I really feel like we're on the, sh like we're on the cusp of a big shift of power and we're going to see big, big change. My son and I were on the Sunshine Coast last week and we saw a baby coyote and 
it was so divine that he ran right in front of us in the car and then he stopped and I stopped the car and we all looked at one another and my son got so excited. I've never seen him so excited about anything. He was like, that's my pet baby coyote. Her name is Healy. She was for me and all this. So I, I, I sort of know what coyote means, but is there a specific like significance to the baby coyote? I would love you to share that. The baby, I love that so much. Um, I feel like it was an awakening for, for perhaps your son, because you know coyotes like a trickster energy, right? So um, kind of like shapeshifter trickster. So I wonder if there's like an awakening of that medicine within him that is just like sort of starting to resonate. And it's like something about that's going to develop and grow. Um, that feels like a really powerful medicine of his that's going to develop and grow. So I I just, yeah, I'd encourage that. I'd encourage um, it feels like his ability to see, his ability to move around spaces, to shift energy in rooms, all that kind of stuff feels like it may be part of his medicine. Oh, I think so too. Actually, that was the second thing with him and the coyote on the same trip. So when we got to the Sunshine Coast, he actually fell asleep in the car and I had to go in and make dinner for everybody. And um, so I'm like, oh, I'll just let him sleep in the car for a bit. And I'll just, you know, keep checking on him, make sure he's okay. So it was fine. You know, I'm cooking. And then all of a sudden I got this like, oh my God, I have to go check on him right now. And so I ran out the front door, I opened the door and a coyote came running from behind the car. So there was like a coyote, like, it was like total, I was, I was kind of like, wow, mother's instinct, holy, because I don't know if, you know, they smell things. So I don't know if they smelled like, oh, there's a little child around, but yeah, that was the second thing for him. Thank you so much for, for joining me today. It's, it's such a gift to have you here. I just honor you and your medicine so much. And I, and I love everything that you do. And I, um, yeah, I can't wait for your reclaim <laughs> event coming up at the end. So just one more time, just please let everyone know where they can find you if they want to learn more about you. Sure. So my Instagram is asha.frost, A-S-H-A dot frost. And then you can go to my website. There's some um, free offerings and gifts on there at ashafrost.com. And I'd love to see you in any of my communities and um, share space with you at any time. Oh, thank you so much. Oh, yeah. One more thing I wanted to ask. Is Asha, is Frost your, like, a medicine name of yours? No, no. My my mother's name is Najawan, so that's more of like an indigenous name. But you know, a lot of um, a lot of indigenous people had their names changed, mm. uh, right, in, because of the colonizers. So yeah, that's my father's name. Yeah, I love it though. It's beautiful. It's it's so beautiful. Both of the names did the, be It's perfect. <laughs> Wonderful. Thank you so much for joining us today. And yes, everybody, if you want to find her, Asha.Frost on Instagram, Asha Frost. And um, yeah, real live medicine woman here for you. <laughs> Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Thank you. Blessings. You've been listening to A Voice for Love. This is Surya Devi. Thank you so much for tuning in. I hope this series inspires you to discover your own voice for love so you can use it to be a force for good in your life and in the world. You can find me at suryadevi.com. I wish you great joy, good health, and the courage to speak up for what you believe in. Peace.